After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? Pas te dire ce que tu peux faire pour moi. Tu vas voir, c'est pas compliqué. Tu me parles pas. Tu me poses pas de questions. If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I am your co-host today, Becky Shrimpton, and with me... More often than not, <laughs> is Mr. Cameron Maitland. Hello. Hi, Becky. Hi. I'm doing my, my serious mystery yeah, voice today. Why are you doing that? Because of our film. <laughs> I don't know. It's very serious and, and very I don't mysterious. Know that it's and, very serious. And it has a lot of close ups in it, so I'm getting all close up. Uh, well, if you love this movie, you'll love his next one or two from this one that is. Literally all close up. <laughs> well, I never saw it. People it's supposed are to be so bad. <laughs> Cameron, your uh, your friend is sure. our guest today. Oh Who boy, I should have asked you how to introduce you. Uh, with us is a actor, uh, writer, comedic performer. I will say, uh, <laughs> generally you, funny. Yeah, <laughs> a local funny man. Um, you probably know him best from this hour and twenty two minutes. Maybe, uh, or <laughs> He's just uh, He's the like... Second City. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, it's Brandon Hackett. Hello, Brandon. Hey, come, in. <laughs> come through. I, was, I almost came in as like it's me, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, He's a known atheist. <laughs> I'm an atheist. <laughs> yeah. uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, hey, no thank, problem. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been we've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and yeah. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you were able to join us. Late at night, yeah. <laughs> after oh, one of your yeah. shows, because you're very busy and important and a tough man to, to get. Uh, I don't know if I'm important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. busy. I don't yeah. want to think about that. We need laughter in today's <laughs> society. I am on Twitter constantly, and like, mm. someone make me laugh, yeah, <laughs> because fair. that's what Twitter used to be for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Twitter. Hard shift. Um, Hard shift. Luckily, Brandon brought us a laugh riot of a movie <laughs> about <laughs> death and... Being Grief. attracted to a homophobic person and yeah. going going back home, uh, generations of abuse. The yeah. choices we make—it's yeah. a coming of age story. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> a little bit. All right. Well, we'll we'll get into <laughs> yeah. that. Brandon, what movie did you pick? Just Tom à la ferme. Tom à la ferme. Uh, that's Tom at the farm. Yeah, for right. those of you that uh, may not speak good, French. Good French 101 <laughs> that I think most people can figure out. Uh, <laughs> and this is also our first Xavier Dolan film. Yes. Uh, which we I think have we've not. had him acting in one, maybe. No, you just had him as a Cam's CanCon crush. Oh, sure. We have had oh. no interaction. Coming. With him. Wow. Hey, we haven't done Elephant Song <laughs> Yes, I don't know. No, no, nor Heartbreakers, nor uh, Laurence, anyway. Sure. All, or the... I'm sorry. Ma- <laughs> Mommy, just say the English Mommy, title, Mommy, that baby. one, yes, sorry. Give, give or the uh, French uh, translation of Inside Out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, also, he's in a lot he's of those. Ron Weasley as well in all the Harry Potter series. Oof. That's his That's his thing. Yeah. Uh, interesting dude. So um, why of all the Canadian films that you could have picked, did you pick this one? So I really, I really actually do quite enjoy uh, all of his early. It, it sounds weird to say early films because he's literally fourteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> he might be thirty now. He's getting there. He's uh, he's twenty nine. Yes. right now because he's two years younger than I am, and we've not the same birthday, but same birthday week. Don't ask me how I know all this. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but uh, he, uh, I yeah, generally like a lot of his early uh, sort of films, and I uh, am someone who loves. Uh, queer cinema, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I th- 
obviously there's probably a wider tradition <laughs> or a lot more queer uh, Canadian film that uh, I could probably be more aware of, but uh, this is the stuff that was sort of most readily available to me at the time that I got uh, into queer cinema. And um, I like that a lot of his work is, uh, I just sort of like that his work uh, doesn't necessarily quote, but is um, he wears a lot of his influences uh, on his sleeve quite plainly. So in, uh, what is it, Les Amours Imaginaires, he ha- has a lot of, um, he-, he evokes a lot of uh, Wong Kar Wai, specifically in the mood for love, uh, with this sort of like slow, dreamy, kind of um, uh, uh, sensuous um scenes and that sort of thing and he uh, obviously evokes uh, Almodovar quite a bit and uh, uh, I think with this uh, the Wikipedia summary <laughs> described uh, uh, was it with this they described Coot? No, that was uh, Lawrence anyways. Uh, there's a bit of a Hitchcock-y yeah. sort of feel to this one uh, for sure. So yeah, I like that he sort of like wears his influences on his sleeve. I like that he's sort of like a young kind of person kind of making a, a sort of stamp in the world and I, I, I like his, uh, his uh, wanton sort of aesthetic uh, flair uh, <laughs> and uh, I like that he sort of works within queer cinema I like that this is a very weird uh, psycho <laughs> psychosexual queer thriller it is a very weird movie and mm. uh, do you want to sort of just walk us through very briefly what the plot summary is um, yep. there are going to be spoilers here and uh, talking about queer cinema this is something you can get on Out TV which is awesome if you subscribe oh. to the Out TV um, oh. app it's available on that I think and it's, it's also on a lot of uh, it's on Hoopla, like the library streaming service. So check a lot of services. It's mm. on uh, Hollywood Suite, I should say. Oh, is it? Uh, I don't know when it premieres. <laughs> soon. <laughs> it's com- coming soon. I think it might be out in February. So probably by the time this episode drops, it's premiering. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, if you watch it on Out TV, just watch it. He, he gets a lot of play. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drop some drinkers <laughs> and wash the uh, pleasant feeling uh, out of your mouth with the. This painful movie. Uh, not painful, bad. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Uh, so, uh, the plot of the movie. Uh, Tom is a 25-year-old ad executive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or like an editor. It doesn't translate well. It's like an ad <laughs> producer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what it means. And he's so young. He's like 25 yeah. years old. Uh, but he is um, he's basically driving to rural Quebec uh, to uh, visit the um, mother of his uh, recently deceased lover, Guillaume. Uh, and he's going there to visit uh, uh, visit her and um, uh, and also give a eulogy at uh, Guillaume's funeral. What he doesn't know is that uh, uh, Guillaume also has a brother, very big, kind of a menacing brother, uh, who's also there at the farm, who uh, uh, basically takes every opportunity uh, uh, that Tom is there to uh, uh, intimidate him and uh, basically uh, provide this sort of like uh, big uh, hulking... Uh, homophobic menace. He basically tells Tom to not uh, ever uh, intimate to their mother, to uh, Guillaume and his mother, that um, Guillaume was uh, queer or gay. The whole film you're sort of exploring this kind of like weird uh, 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 psychosexual dynamic because uh, the, the sort of um, the threat of Francis, uh, Guillaume's brother, uh, is also a kind of like sexual, uh, there's a bit of a sexual tension between him mm-hmm. and Tom. Uh, and there's also like a weird kind of persona thing going on where Tom is kind of uh, turning into uh, uh, or taking the place of Guillaume at his house. And um, I guess the the, the lingering question uh, in, the, <laughs> in the movie is, does Tom escape from the farm? Uh, and he does. <laughs> yeah. 
He does escape. <laughs> yeah. Barely. Answer, <laughs> yes. But does he ever mentally escape yeah. from the farm? No, he's he's there forever. But he's does been... the brother escape? Yeah, I don't know. Was well, it all a dream? He is wearing a USA <laughs> jacket at the end, and they do yeah. end with Rufus Wainwright, a, so, you know. Yeah. Pretty fucking awesome jacket. It's pretty yeah. great. To manage someone in. All right, so here's, <laughs> here's where I want to start us, guys. Uh, this is based on a play yes. uh, by the playwright of Lily's. Pretty crazy to imagine this is a play, right? No, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, I actually can totally see this being mm-hmm. done um, black box style. And apparently, mm. like, it's actually not that much different from the play. It's very, mm. very similar. Mm-hmm. I can see this being done black box style. And those moments of violence, I think, would be even more intimidating and more frightening if you saw them in play form. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Uh, they'd be more awkward, definitely. But I think I like the, like, claustrophobia of a lot of them. Like, I don't think you could play him getting on top of him in bed mm-hmm. on, a, on stage quite as well, because it would just be, you have to be a little bigger, unless it's a super intimate theater. Or, like, getting into, like, a bathroom stall. Mm-hmm. And that also ups the weird homoeroticism of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I mean, some of them seem like he's fully, like, jerking him off or something. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, which a play would be easier to see. You gotta have some light. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you gotta give the audience what they want. Yeah. <laughs> we want to see that guy jerk off Tom, man. Yes, we, uh, we pay for dance contact. <laughs> that, that actually is really interesting because I, I was wondering how... I knew it was a play, and I remember mm-hmm. when it was... Um, was it at Buddy's that it was uh, uh, sort of shown mm-hmm. fairly, like, two or three years ago, back when I had actually watched the movie, rented it from Suspect Video? But that is very interesting. I mean, I, I do see uh, it being in a, like a black box sort of like staging. There are a lot of like interesting um, like narrative jumps. I feel in the movie that I that I feel would play better as a that it would play better within a sort of like a theatrical setting. I'm thinking specifically of um, there's that scene where um, uh, after Tom kind of sneakily. Um, says his sort of like loving uh, 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 speaks to uh, Guillaume's mother through the uh, using a, a, a Guillaume's fake girlfriend as a mouthpiece mm-hmm. but is basically uh, intimating his feelings uh, for Guillaume to his mother um, he's sort of talking to Francis uh, about like uh, I'm, I'm done with here or whatever and then it sort of cuts to him like running in a cornfield and then it's sort of like a, a bit of violence or whatever and I, uh, I wonder if that is something that could have done, been done with like a blackout like a bit of a like a Lights out, lights up, um, mm. sort of deal. I don't know. That's again where I think a movie's better. Like it's, I mean, cool to see that, right? Whereas otherwise, it would just be like him stumbling back on stage, covered in cuts, and be like, "You can't run through the corn like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't go into the cornfield." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and then suddenly, it's a Stephen King novel, and everybody's yeah, having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's something about stage productions where there is that kind of intimacy of violence where because you're watching actors do it so close to your face and there is that awkward moment where you feel responsible for the actors I mean um, you feel that way both if the choreography has been done irresponsibly as well as if it, as it has been done incredibly responsibly because you should be going ooh at those moments where that contact is hit um, and I found with film I don't always get that same sort of visceral sensation unless it's like gonzo bananas crazy violence but I also watch a lot of really violent films so I may be desensitized at this point so when we're seeing stuff on stage I don't know if we have that desensitization yet Mm -hmm. well I also feel that like Xavier (laughs) 
Uh, my friend Xavier. Um, <laughs> first names only here, darling. First names only. <laughs> uh, I do feel that he does try to, uh, sort of in a very superficial way, try to create a bit of that sense of uh, intimacy. Uh, I do think within that particular scene uh, that I'm talking about where he's sort of running through a corn field and then uh, Francis um, uh, sort of leaps on him and kind of beats him up and then very sexually spits in his mouth. Um, mm. As seen in also queer film Disobedience, but in a oh. sexy way, <laughs> where the Rachel spit in each other's mouths. Yeah, in that scene, uh, <laughs> that was the best reaction. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but you, uh, what well, he, he does, he, 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 this is not his, um, the old last time he sort of does this, but he plays with these sort of like, um, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The letterboxing, the, uh, oh, yeah. aspect ratio mm-hmm. of the film. So he kind of, uh, he sort of has them both grappling together and then he, uh, he has the, uh, the top and the bottom of the, um, of the frame kind of like close and kind of create a feeling of claustrophobia. He does a sort of similar thing except for an entire movie yeah. with, uh, with Mom. mommy where most of it's shot in a sort of, what is it? Three, four, uh, or one, one uh, aspect ratio. And then, um, in two kind of key scenes, it sort of opens up and, and, uh, I, I saw mommy at TIFF, uh, mm. several years ago and Xavier, my friend, um, <laughs> uh, sort of talked about how he wanted that to sort of create a, uh, he wanted to sort of create this very tight framing around like three, these three characters who were the main focus of that. So I do think that sometimes he does attempt to do that, but it does feel very superficial and kind of decorative sometimes. Mm-hmm. Also, that's famously why he's, his movies aren't on Netflix, because of that mommy thing, because they hmm. did not uh, look... <laughs> Basically, it's interesting, because he was treated like a... To use another horrible... Enfant terrible of Canadian <laughs> cinema, because he was so mad at Netflix, but uh, they didn't... They just blew up mommy to be full screen when it's one by one mm-hmm. so that's like crazy like it would have been stretched out that's weird. and goofy looking so <laughs> he's either like either it was malicious or you had so little care for the movie mm-hmm. you didn't even look at what you were doing so yeah he uh he kind of famously got in a huge fight with netflix and that's why you can't find his movies there that's why they're probably on most of your canadian streaming services wow yeah. So I unfortunately am not particularly familiar with a lot of queer cinema. I've watched some of it, but I definitely do not have the knowledge base I, I know Cam has, and I presume you have. Um, He's better than I am. Where, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's his thing. Oh, no, you do. No, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when the revolution comes, you'll both be lauded as heroes. <laughs> but... but uh, w- where does this kind of fit within this? Like, is this a revolutionary sort of idea to um, combine the the violence and the sex in this way? Or is this something that's playing off old queer cinema tropes? Or how does this fit? Uh, well, I don't know if it's necessarily like a revolutionary sort of thing. I mean, I think I, I, I don't know a ton of... I can think of two other kind of um, queer or queer um, adjacent kind of... Um, Movies that, that that sort of present uh, queer horror, that sort of thing. So the, the other two sort of movies I can think of off, top, off the top of my head are uh, one I actually love for what, for why, for what it does, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think I talked to you on Twitter on this about this briefly, but I forget the name of the movie. It's about the this brain worm. Oh, yeah. Uh, brain Damage. Brain Damage. Brain it Damage. It's a good one where the guy's... <laughs> there's a worm in the guy's brain making him do stuff mm-hmm. uh, by yeah it's brain damage uh, by Frank Hennenlotter yeah uh, it's it's a very weird one because I think Frank Hennenlotter 
isn't queer, but it's a very like it's as if John Waters made this movie. Yes. Like it's he lives at a YMCA for a long point and there's yeah. two, just like stuff in the showers and it's all yeah, cuz like quite often the worm appears as like his penis. Mhm. Uh, it's very weird. The worm needs to eat brains to keep him alive. It's like a parasite. It's very weird and very queer. Very queer, yeah. And, uh, and well, it's the same thing with Nightmare on, on Elm Street too, which uh, the crew mm-hmm. casting, well, I mean, Matt, Mark Patton is the only queer member uh, that I can think of. But um, I think the writer has is gay as well. And, and oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, that's all the age-old mystery. A, a lot, a lot more and more. People are now more willing, I think with time, have been more willing to admit that, like, mm-hmm. fully... Uh, there's, a, there's a forthcoming documentary, I believe, either by Mark Patton or with his participation. Avec la participation du. <laughs> um, that is about the development. But yeah, the writer has said, and but down to, like, there's always people who are like, why is there, like, a probe uh, board game? And, and the production designers have been like, yeah. Yeah, we put the pro- <laughs> probe game as a joke. Right. Because it's, like, gay as hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess there's, yeah, off the top of my head, those are kind of two other ones that present sort of, like, queerness as a, a um, uh, or a queer sort of horror kind of thing. Um, so, I don't know if it's necessarily, to me, and Ken can really speak better to this, uh, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily, to me, it's sort of, like, a revolutionary thing. I think it's just something that I responded to pretty strongly because I, I maybe I guess I kind of lump it in now a little bit with this sort of like and maybe I'm I'm thinking kind of g- generically imprecise but um with this sort of like s- s- in a way social horror kind of like mm. uh renaissance uh get out uh, yeah, 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 yeah get out that sort of thing so it's sort of yeah it, it, you know in the way that I think get get out did a really great job of um uh I, I guess creating um yeah, of using the using all of these sort of like uh, key sort of uh, anxieties about like uh, black life in the United States and and, and uh, you know uh, not dating a black family, you know, like uh, you know, uh, sort of like a, as a way to kind of like um, and used horror as a genre to sort of heighten uh, it. I think in this sort of way, you have a kind of like weird soupy kind of like. Um, you know, queer, queer horror, and sort of uh, the the sort of like weird uh, link between uh, uh, sort of like uh, lust and danger, and you know the sort of attraction to the sort of like rough trade. Who, who yeah. watching the movie? I called you know jacked Owen Pallet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> it looks exactly like Owen Pallet to me. Um, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah, and I think that, that you're right that that's that's probably the biggest connector is the like pornographic stuff. Like there's so much skinhead and literal Nazi. If you go into like Bruce LaBruce things, it's mm-hmm. always like, yeah, people are, it's kind of a, I mean, what this movie does, which I do think is, a, if not revolutionary, at least a very clear statement is kind of about all the versions of like either internalized homophobia or externalized homophobia or like gay self-hatred. Like obviously, He's attracted to this guy. Mm-hmm. They kind of do a weird out where it's like he's like your your dead brother, but it's really because he like hates himself. Mm-hmm. And then the brother seems pretty obviously gay <laughs> and hates himself mm-hmm. for feeling gay. And then the mom obviously kind of hates gay people. There's a weird strain of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's interesting because you're kind of showing these different aspects of homophobia like the mother does not denies its existence 
the brother violently tries to stop it. And Xavier Dolan, Tom, I suppose. <laughs> Tom hates himself enough to be attracted to two people that are completely denying the existence of his love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, and, yeah, and the, th- that aspect, I think, is unusual. You know? I think that that's, for, for a gay movie, maybe, like, it, it. now that, it's weird because it came up before it, but, like, now that there's, like, Stranger by the Lake, I think that has a, some of the same stuff, mm-hmm. where it's, like, a French uh, gay thriller <laughs> of sorts uh, that weirdly is not as focused on it throughout the film, but I think its final kind of idea mm-hmm. is a bit the same as Tom at the Farm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's dealing with the same subject matter as, like, a twist at the end. Uh, yeah. Now we talked a little bit earlier about the the idea of influences and and what was being influenced. This use you used uh, Hitchcockian as uh, as kind of the verb for this. Um, and as I was kind of reading all the different reviews and stuff, everybody was citing different thriller directors. Who were like, oh, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. And they were trying to sort of make sense of the tone. Um, and about three quarters of the way through the movie, I was like, is this a thriller? Like, this seems more like a a heightened drama to me than it does an actual thriller. But the music and the cinematography and, like, even the opening, which I described as, like, the opening of every zombie movie ever Mm -hmm. as he rolls through rural Quebec, is telling you it's a thriller. Mm -hmm. But the emotions and I, I don't know if it's the way it's cut with the the way the the close-ups happen that it, ne- it never quite hits those mm. like nerve jangling heights uh, partially because he's there so voluntarily and it's never totally clear why he doesn't just leave yeah. um, but you talked about influence in Hitchcockian and there are elements of that in that and I can understand where you come from that but he also claims that he's never seen a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, that's um, his favorite thing, is claiming that he's not, he doesn't really like movies and this is all flowing out of him naturally. That's one of the many reasons many Canadian filmmakers want to deck him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he gets all the money in the awards and is just like, oh, I just made this movie. I don't know. Whoops. And he's like very talented. That's, that's the frustrating part, is like you can't deny yeah. his talents. But yeah, it's very. It's a very odd thing. But a lot of it simultaneously feels emulative as well as feeling experimental. Like Mm -hmm. he's definitely trying things within the genre and they don't always work. And sometimes they do. Like the cornfield scene, I would say, is very effective. And that's the one moment where I was like, oh, he's actually in danger. It's on the poster, baby. It looks (laughs) great. And that's what they use on everything because it looks great. The makeup's great. The, um, what he's got in the chokehold. The corn color. uh, It's wonderful. (laughs) But um, then my question is, how much do we as viewers need those influential points of reference to be able to be like, oh, this is Hitchcocky and I know where I am. Mm -hmm. And how much does that affect our viewing experience? I'm asking the big questions at 10 o'clock at night, people. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I do feel like one thing he does is he kind of takes your, most of his movies take your expectations and twist them. They are unique enough in that regard. Um, But I do wonder, I think a lot of people who are disappointed with this movie I don't know if it's him or the play, but it has a very abrupt, somewhat unsatisfying ending, I think, if you are treating it like a thriller. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not much is resolved, and it's kind of a mysterious ending. Well, it's sort of hinted at that he kills Sarah? No, she like, gets on the what bus. Is he, does she get on the bus? She gets on the bus. I was waiting for a what's in the box moment. No, no, but that no, also no. might have been the cornfield. I think field. they just have sex and she gets on the bus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he sees right. somebody get on the bus, at least, who's a lady. 
Um, but that's, then that becomes Act Two. That's the yeah, lady vanishes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have to follow that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's your Hitchcock the, moment. That second movie is Sarah at the farm, where she comes back to <laughs> oh, clean house. Actually, no, it's Sarah in the city. Yeah, but, yeah. I guess. <laughs> terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's something to that, where the fact that it does have the trappings of a thriller and then doesn't necessarily have a satisfying thriller ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's weird enough that <laughs> it gets away with that. I guess because, uh, or just uh, going off what Cam was just saying, then I, I guess then sort of because it sort of doesn't necessarily fully work uh, as a, as like a full like uh, thriller or whatever, like it kind of feels like its own thing a little bit, <laughs> like its own sort of weird uh kind of mess of like little like influences and stuff like that. I don't know. That's all I can really say. <laughs> yeah, and I also think that, to his credit, not a lot of, other than the music being kind of Bernard Hermony, mm-hmm. I don't think that a lot of the shooting is particularly Hitchcock-y, you mm-hmm. know? I think it's very precise, but that's just the way he always has been. And I do think that the the thing I can kind of give him on the, like, I've never seen any movies tip is uh, he does seem more influenced by, like, perfume commercials and movies and like fashion oh he loves titanic yeah too. yes he'll reference yeah. that so he bit. he has his references but it's much more pop movies mm-hmm. well he and claims this one is science science of the lambs okay is mm-hmm. what he's saying for this one i guess i could see that but but it's also like i don't think you need to say that about your movie either right no. like it's a weird <laughs> thing i think he gets questioned on that a lot because he's so young but I don't think you need to, yeah, you don't need to say, like, not every movie's inspired by another movie. What are you copying? Yeah. <laughs> How are you so good? He's already copying a fucking play. Does he need to, like, like do, also make it something else? Well, and the critics are all over him, too, right? Yeah. Like, I read one where they just talk nonstop about the um, inescapable narcissism of this film. And I was yeah. like, Though at the same time, I would say that I am somebody who hates... Quite often, I think he, which I, he's completely stepped away from, but I think he quite often miscasts himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like one of the times where I think he's very well cast, and I, th- I think he fills that role very well. Yeah, I think he's really good in the movie. Yeah, I think, um... and partially because of that, maybe narcissism, mm-hmm. maybe because you kind of dislike him, mm-hmm. it, it informs the role a bit. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't really thought of, thought about that. I mean, I think. I think, uh, yeah, because there's, there's that sort of like really, uh, there's a review that sort of talks about like, uh, you know, the way he frames his face or, or whatever, you know, frames himself and that sort of thing. And it's sort of like, I mean, he is the main character <laughs> of the movie. Uh, um, I mean, I don't know. I will say that I think his hair is uh, incredible. <laughs> Ridiculous in this movie. That is a mane, my friend. <laughs> There's this giant uh, mop on his head. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, just look at the poster. It's like weird, crazy. And also, it's it goes different. Like, it's like it has different styles. Yes. he can kind of make it like a mohawk-y, and then sometimes it's when it's wet, it looks one way. When it's dry, it looks another way. Yeah. It's very unusual hair. It's all season hair. I want it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I honestly do think that the critics and the industry are, like, a bit unfair to him. And, I mean, they were waiting for him to stumble, which his last two movies, I think, he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But also, by stumble, I mean won the Canadian Screen Award for Best Film. Oh, wow. Like, uh, that's the thing that drives people nuts. Mm-hmm. Where I think, uh, Just que la fin de monde, or whatever, <laughs> uh, was kind of a flop and not well liked. And then it won the Best Picture. 
And I mean, it's Canada, baby. Maybe nothing good <laughs> came out that year. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I get that. And I think he's very... He was a kid, so he's very flip in interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's also francophone. I think quite often he, he likes to pretend that he's a lot better at English than he is. And his I don't think he's great. French in- interviews are much more yeah. compelling and interesting than his English ones yeah. are. But that's just a language barrier, right? But I also, yeah, I also think he's like, I know English. And it's like, maybe there's some subtleties you don't get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. He's a he's a strange character. He'll show up in movies and you're like, oh. <laughs> I think I, I like that he's not in front of the camera. Like, uh, I mean, uh, a crazy one that drove everyone nuts is he's he plays a British man in Bad Times at the El Royale for like one scene, and you're like, "What is going on? <laughs> Why are you here?" And like his British accent sounds like a French guy doing a British accent. Interesting, it's bizarre. He's in uh, the new It. Yeah, he's the. I assume he's not going to be in it very much because that character just gets killed by it immediately. Yes. In, yeah, just an anecdotal <laughs> chapter. Sets off yeah. The, yeah. the events of the new it. Yeah. But it's but also it's weird to cast that, him again. Pr- that prestige is that little bit of class. <laughs> and I'll also say, as much as like, he, he comes off as a shit in interviews, but he seems like a very good person in real life because everyone is friends with him you know like every actor who meets him i mean actors are terrible sorry to both of you <laughs> uh, they're awful people uh, we all know that but they're they all befriend him and he and he does seem very good to, like i think he's in it because he's like best friends with jessica chastain oh, and wow. they probably just love each other and she's like you gotta get xavier <laughs> you just simply must be yeah. in it yeah and it seems like he's best friends with lucas hedges after they were in boy erased because he's some he's something in boy erased i'm boy not gonna erased. see it but he's involved somehow, yeah. Wow. He's, he's one of the erased boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he the mentor to... <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I think Troye Sivan's in Boy Erased, too. Yes, it's like is. a weird movie. Well, I mean, the kids of Underkin, right? Yeah. I, say, I say that when he is... I've been wanting to say that all yes. night. I haven't yeah. had a chance yeah. yet. But I, like, I do think I am more interested in him as a filmmaker than an actor. But this is one time where I think they really cross really well. Well, it's so compelling when someone is that young and is making work... At this level, which is still experimentative but watchable. Oh, yeah. Um, And, I mean, you think of people who peaked way too early, like Orson Welles. um, And you're like, okay, Orson didn't get the chance to really play. Like, he Mm -hmm. knocked one out of the park and then all of a sudden he had to keep reproducing that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he had, like, the history of all the theater and everything he was doing before him. But he just, that was his first film that just went kabam. Um, Whereas, although he's been getting all these accolades and things, you don't... You still see him experimenting with different styles and different things, um, and he's facing far more public scrutiny than Orson Welles ever oh, yeah. did, right? So he has to either choose to ignore that or take some of it on board and be like, all right, this didn't work. How do I make it work in the next one? So I think watching someone's career with that kind of public sc- scrutiny evolve, especially as he figures out what his role is, is far more interesting than a one and done. It's like a masterpiece that we yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, as much as I've heard that. His English language debut is wackadoo, not good. <laughs> I want to see it because it's like his wacky sounds is much more interesting to me than mm-hmm. somebody else's. Like it'll be full on A plus bug nuts insane. Okay, what's the wacky? Because uh, I've not I've not been able to find any 
information about this. Movie. Sure. It just played at TIFF, and no, it has not been released otherwise. But I believe Kathy Bates is supposed to be totally nuts in it. Yes, Kathy Bates is in it, and her role is supposed to be mental. And I believe her and Susan Sarandon are just supposed to be, like, chewing scenery and oh. being crazy. And I think the plot is... It's like a weird... It's, it's a weird melodrama, which he does. Yes. But I think... Yeah, I think that it's just supposed to be some wild performances. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Because I know that the previous one had its people who loved it. Mm-hmm. it. It it was all shot in close up, which I think is the thing that drove people nuts. Like I think it's just a series of close ups. Um but I mean it has every A list French actor in it and it's based on a play again. So I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know. He already has it looks like he has two movies already in production. So it's like it's not gonna kill his career. Um he's got something called Mat- Matthias and Maxime. Ooh. He's Maxime and the Beach Rats guy might be Matthias. Oh, okay. Yep, he's collecting all his gay men. <laughs> he's collecting all, all his, his boys. We all need an entourage. <laughs> That's the point yeah. of Instagram and HBO. Yeah. <laughs> he's got great, I believe I unfollowed him, but Xavier Dolan does have pretty good Instagram stories. Yeah. If you want to see some celebrity in his house just like lying on a couch. I feel like I'd just get very sad. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like intrigued and then just sort of like, oh, well, <laughs> my best years are behind He's having me. a good time. And I will also say to his credit, I <laughs> one of his photos on IMDb is him on Cash Gap. The what? French version of Cash Gap. <laughs> Did people uh, get into the car up. and be uh, like... It's hard to tell if he was like giving money to people oh. or if he won. No, I think he won. This uh, just looks like he was on it and he won. Yeah. Uh, Taxi Payon. <laughs> oh, that's the, uh, so much better. Quebec cash cap. <laughs> anyway, uh, I love that, and <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my god! Well, that having been said, we're at favorite moments, guys. Oh, sure, I, oh, look yeah. at my, I, I know. didn't even. Unless I don't know if I said anything, anything useful. As if, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about about this one. Um, let me just pull up my notes rather than looking at his cash cab appearance, which, I, <laughs> which is the only note I needed for this entire podcast. It's weird, you've only written cash cab over and over. Again. Yeah. Um, no, no, taxi bail. I watched. Bail. Uh, I watched too many films in a row, including many Quebecois ones. So I'm like, huh. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Interesting yeah. filmmaker. I think this is my favorite of his movies. I am not so much into. I need to rewatch Heartbeats because I feel like that's one that really rubbed me the wrong way when I first saw it. But mm-hmm. it might be. It seems like a favorite. Everyone else. Uh, I think Lawrence, anyways, is beautiful trash. Mm-hmm. I think it any, any trans long. person would probably light that movie on fire and throw it in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his movies are super visually interesting. I don't think we've gotten that deep into it, but I think that's very good. You see the start of his all close-ups in that weird uh, scene in the living room where they're all super tight close-ups, and I think it, it works pretty well there. Uh, I like weird gothic Quebec things. Super mm-hmm. good. The neutral color palette. Beautiful. <laughs> The mom is great. We didn't Liz talk much about Roy, her. She's she's my favorite. And part. she was it on on stage as well, right? Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. As was the brother. Oh, oh really? Yeah. The brother was. Oh, so he's not just a hot guy that Lucifer <laughs> <laughs> Tolan knows. No, no, no. He just went to see the play and was like, he'll do. <laughs> yeah. And he was in. And I think the nightmare, like just the nightmare stuff of it, even if you don't necessarily like the plot, mm-hmm. I just feel like the tension and the 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 weirdness of it works very well mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, well, what's the stuff that kind of works for me? I really like this sort of like there's a sort of dreamy creepiness to the like dead cow, dead cows. Oh, sort I of forgot thing. about that. Yeah, it's dragging a... the dead cow behind an ATV or something. Yeah, well, and then the dead calf as well. And, the dead know. calf. Yeah, that stuff is very kind of uh, off-putting a little bit. Um, I will say I love any sort of like hint at the sort of like 80s-ness of Quebec. Uh, so uh, when he <laughs> goes to the the funeral. Uh, he's, good, like, he's like, yeah, I've got a CD uh, mm-hmm. with a song that I want to play, and it's this sort of, I don't quite know what the song is, uh, but it, uh, <laughs> it's just this very 80s sounding uh, Quebec like power ballad, yeah. uh, which I loved. Um, That's one of his favorite things, just playing <laughs> like a deep cut weird Celine Dion song or something. Oh yeah, that happens in Mommy, doesn't it? Yeah, the... and I mean that Adele video he made is just a Celine Dion video. This is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, what else? I mean, the corn cornfield scene is really great. Um, any of the sort of like real sort of like weird um uh sexual tension scenes i mm-hmm. just naturally kind of find very as someone who like um loves this sort of like depiction of queer desire within like queer cinema uh yeah you know just sort of like when um francis spits in his mouth in the cornfield when he wrestles him down or you know you have the bathroom we we're talking about the sort of bathroom yeah. stall that kind of like weird sort of cruising e kind of feel to that and um all of the like little ambig- ambiguities like um tom holding hands with um with uh, Guillaume's mother, and uh, you see Francis um, reach out to kind of stop it, but there's a sort of weird kind of sexual ambiguity to that. Um, what else do I like? I like that he. Uh, I like the scene sort of towards the end when um, uh, Francis and Sarah are, are, I guess, having sex in the car, and Tommy sort of kind of gets himself out of the car and um, goes into the bar and talks to the bar owner, played by Manuel Tadros. His father. Mm. I don't know why. If I said his name correctly, I don't know why I said it that way. Um, but he uh, talks to his uh, the character played by his father, real life father, um, uh, about the history of uh, Francis. Uh, oh, there's that whole scene where uh, Francis is sort of like uh, uh, kind of choking him a little bit. There's that sort of like uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. I, I like any time where the like probably my favorites are always when. Tom's mask drops and he's like into it. Yes. That's the weird. I really like when Sarah first arrives, or when Sarah's like, let's get out of here. And he's like, what? Like, yeah. And then you're, you're just as confused as Sarah because you don't realize how far gone he is and that he's like completely lost his mind and is totally into it. Mm-hmm. That's really terrifying. Yeah. Also, I really like that the credit scene, <laughs> the credits you're driving home to uh, yeah. go on. Uh, Going, 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 for, going to a town uh, over with Wainwright. And I like the creepy gas station person. The fact that it ends on that weird image where you almost see the guy who mm-hmm. uh, he, he tore his face open. Yeah. Uh, that's that really, that's like if you if you had have asked me before I rewatched it what I remember, I'm like there's this really weird part in a gas station where he almost sees the guy whose face he tore open. And that's just such a graphic mm-hmm idea of like tearing somebody's mouth like that and i think that speaks to the actors because like in a play a lot of the revelations in this happen in monologue Mm. so sarah revealing that uh guillaume actually slept with everybody including her and um then you have the the bartender telling the story about him slitting someone's face over and that's why people don't talk to them and that's why everyone's like yeah don't go there they're crazy um the taxi won't drop her off by the house yeah because (laughs) they are not nice and uh and even um watching a gat uh 
uh, Lise Roy, the mother, like her kind of outbursts and lengthy things, that's very much a play thing. And mm. it normally that translates into a visual when you do the actual film version, right? So like you would show it in, in um, show it in a, a, a backup, what's sort of flashback? That's yeah, the one. Sorry. It's late. <laughs> you do it in a, um, in a, in a flashback. Uh, but they don't. They just do it very intensely and very clearly. And then you see the aftermath of it later. So there is an element of show, don't tell, which I thought was very original because you see the guy later and it's just that little hint that's the what's in the box uh, moment Mm -hmm. um i would say there's a good rewatchability with what you're talking about too because there are a ton of moments of the town like whenever he's around there's people you kind of you don't really get it Mm -hmm. but people are kind of giving him shit like there's just a weird part where they go and get gas or whatever and you just see like essentially a guy says something as he goes into the guest thing and he comes back out and like says something to him mm-hmm. or like the guy who wasn't allowed in the funeral like there's like a weird thing yeah, or like at the, the funeral, funeral and it's still you still don't really know it's almost like there's there's so much weird mystery you you never know uh yeah. how Guillaume died yeah. like that's the thing she brings up is like who was with him and how did he die and you never find out nope. yeah yeah. Which is terrifying. Which is all part of the mystery. Yeah. But, then, but I think we are more forgiving of that in plays than we are in film. Art film, yeah. yeah mainstream. No, we want all of our answers. We yeah, want them exactly. now. And yeah. we want them delivered immediately in the third act. Especially <laughs> if it's right. got that great violin. Ah. The violin demands answers. Oh my god. Alright, so I guess we're recommending this one, eh guys? I would recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like it. It's definitely like, it'll make you squirm. I think especially if we're like, like content warning if you don't love homophobic violence. That doesn't make you literally want to fuck the person beating you up. <laughs> Probably not for you. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, what are you doing these days, Brandon? How do people find you? How do people find me? Um, well, I live at. Uh, no, I. Um, <laughs> uh, so right now, yeah, I, I don't know. I do. I'll still do uh, the odd comedy show, that sort of thing. So I'll do uh, improv shows around town or sketch comedy shows around town. I'm not. I don't have a regular show uh, right now, but um, uh, yeah. So I, I do have a, qu- a Twitter account uh, at Brandon Hackett, uh, where I'll. Uh, I guess I'll just be tweeting about stuff. How about you, Cam? What are you up to? Off, uh, crowding the globe, meeting your favorite celebrities at various awards locations. Uh, probably the British Academy Awards are over, so you can check YouTube for my red carpet interviews with, who knows, Lady Gaga? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> uh, probably British people you've never heard of. But, Didn't Kristen um, Davis give you guff last year? Uh, no, Kristen Scott Thomas. Kristen Scott Thomas did. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a mixed... <laughs> But I meant like Luca Guadagnino, so like I'm not totally chopped liver. Oh, yeah, I love it. You say Lady Gaga yeah. <laughs> as though she's like a like a peerage. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's, British, yeah. that's a weird one. Maybe maybe she shouldn't be flashing that around. Maybe she should be Stephanie Germanata in England. Apparently, um, that's actually a better way for Jamie Lee Curtis to get a table. Is she uh, she flashes Lady Hayden Guest over Jamie Lee oh, Curtis, and that gets her more tables. I thought she, that she lost her her peerage though. I think recently she, she lost it. Yeah, oh. Christopher Guest gave it up for some reason. Uh, yes. For Lent. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and they were like, you know you can't have it back after yeah. Lent. And he was like, no, I don't understand. I'm sure there's some weirdos who continue to call them Lord and Lady. Um, but yeah, uh, so that that's basically the stuff. HollywoodSuite.ca at uh, HollywoodSuite. Uh, I'll be doing the BAFTAs and the Independent Spirit Awards. The Spirit Awards are at the end of the month. So you, you, by this point, you'll probably still be able to get hot live tweets and I'll be in the press conference room listening to Richard E. Grant. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you name it, guys. Uh, at CamFest on Twitter, at iCram is where I review every movie that I watch right. on Instagram. 
And then as per usual, you can find me on the Twitters at Liz Shrimpton. I'm the masculine in the Shrimpton over there. And you can find me on Instagram, Caridia underscore extravaganza. I have a new show coming out, guys. There's a new mm. podcast coming. Uh, I can't tell you what it is yet, but I can tell you <laughs> that it is factory. from, I know. Uh, but this one's actually coming. Yeah, so I'm so excited. Uh, it is from, I can tell you, a major news uh, <laughs> outlet. News outlet. Yeah. That would be the word. You would uh, call it like the earth and what gets delivered to your house. That's right. <laughs> So that's that's your hint. So that's coming out uh, first week of March is when the trailer drops, and I'm really excited about it. Um, so yeah, that's going to be really cool. I've been interviewing really interesting people for that. So uh, stay tuned. You're going to hear it Not from like here duds first. Like here. No, this is great. I, I love my job. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's late. Mm-hmm. Let's go get a moose head. Yay. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.